Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. Today, we would like to present a bonus episode with principal contributor to the new quarterly, Dr. Felix Cortez. Dr. Cortez is a professor of New Testament at Andrews Theological Seminary and has a fond admiration for the book of Hebrews and yearns to share how his message has a direct correlation to Seventh-day Adventism in these last days. Also, please pick up Dr. Cortez's companion book called Also in These Last Days, The Message of Hebrews. Now let's dig into some new discoveries. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, everyone, welcome. This is a special bonus episode with a special and honored guest, uh, Dr. Felix Cortez. And uh, right now I'm going to turn it over to Michael Campbell. It's going to do a little bit of introduction and we'll get to know him a little bit better. Yeah, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, someone who I consider a very good friend. And we were classmates in the doctoral program at Andrews years ago. And of course, in addition to his own uh, uh, academic studies, he's a specialist in New Testament, which should come as no surprise, is the primary contributor for our Sabbath School Quarterly on Hebrews uh, this coming quarter. So we're just excited that Felix can be here. He um, has spent uh, some time at Mono Morelos, where he was teaching, and then returned to Andrews, where he's been teaching uh, in the Adventist uh, Theological Seminary there. He also has been very active in the Adventist Theological uh, Society, which is a professional organization, one of the past presidents. And so both as an academic as well as a pastor and practitioner, he is just eminently qualified. And one of the things I know about Felix is that from all the way in grad school, and of course you went and worked on your on your dissertation, uh, is that he's had a passion for the book of Hebrews. And so welcome, Felix, to the Sabbath School Rescue podcast. We're just delighted you can be here. And I, I just want to begin by uh, throwing this out there. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your passion uh, for being an academic and for pursuing uh, the book of Hebrews, which kind of segues right into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Buster. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Michael, we graduated together. I remember, we did. I think yeah. with Ephraim, we were uh, the same the same uh, ceremony. So we, we had a good time. And uh, yes, w- why did I... Why did I go into Hebrews? It's, it's a kind of an accident, you know, because uh, originally I wanted to do my doctorate degree on the Old Testament, but my university told me that they needed a New Testament professor. And I'm very happy that they told me that, you know, I'm very happy <laughs> to have done New Testament. And, uh, and but, you know, Hebrews has so many quotations and so many allusions to the to the old testament i liked it a lot and uh so i i um i took a class with dr john mcveigh mm-hmm. and he taught hebrews and it was a very a very interesting class i was a classmate with erhard gallos as well mm-hmm. and we both we both um chose hebrews as the area of expertise uh he did a, a very good dissertation on the rest in hebrews and then i i, I went also and work on hebrews as well and um you know I just want to interrupt are, for a second wasn't mcveigh also your advisor i'm trying to remember 
Yes, McVeigh was my advisor, but then he moved to uh, Walla Walla, so he he couldn't oh. continue as the chair of my my dissertation. But he continued as, as the uh, the second reader, okay. and so John Pauline was my my uh, chair, the chair of my dissertation when I defended. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, tell us a little bit more. So uh, I began to write on, on, on Hebrews, and as just as soon, as soon as I finished writing my dissertation, there was a, a couple of projects. One was the Andrews University uh, study, the Andrews Study Bible. And so uh, I was asked to contribute to that Bible. So I began to contribute on Hebrews and then got involved on the uh, Society of Biblical Literature in the international meeting. And so circumstances have, um, uh, um, you know, pushed me to, to study Hebrews. And honestly, Hebrews has been such a wonderful book because it is a very Adventist book. You know, you think about the Sabbath, yes. the Sabbath, the most probably one of the most important passages on the Sabbath in the New Testament is in Hebrews. You also have eschatology. Eschatology is really important in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews says, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. So it's, a, it's an eschatological uh, perspective uh, for a book. Also, is the only book that, well, together with Revelation, is the book that deals with Jesus's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary as our priest. Mm -hmm. And we Adventists are very, interesting in, very interested in the... Um, in the in the role of Jesus as a high priest in the heavenly sanctuary, so um, it talks a lot about uh, judgment and um, the new covenant, uh, the law, creation is in the New Testament is the book that has more uh, allusions to creations together with Revelation to creation. So all the topics, uh, Adventist topics, most of them are there. So it's a very, um, a very um, uh, theological, uh, has a lot of content. Um, Hebrew scholars, uh, non-Adventist Hebrew scholars will say that um, the author of Hebrews is probably the third best theologian in the New Testament, even though uh, they consider only one book uh, that they has, they have, uh, he has written in one book uh, because they don't consider it was written by Paul. But, you know, that is, that is uh, Hebrews has had uh, somewhat of, um, you know, um, emergence um, in, the, in the New Testament field. So it has been a quite interesting ride uh, mm -hmm. to be in this in this in this topic. Um, uh, I guess it was kind of um, God saying, you know, this is a, a thing that could be interesting to you, and you will enjoy it. And I did. So basically, that's what happened. Amen. Uh, you know, the title of the lesson this quarter in these last days, the message of Hebrews. And uh, as uh, Dr. Kimball and I recorded the first episode for the first week, we really liked how you tied in this notion of how do you come across this eschatological theme and that they had back then and then still putting together, well, Christ hasn't come yet. And we really liked how you tied that together in for us today. And so if you could just elaborate a little bit more on that for us now, as you spoke about the eschatology. Well, you know, 
Uh, Hebrews 1, 2 says uh, that in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. And, uh, um, you know, there was uh, uh, in my in my study of Hebrews, I have I have been working with Hebrews uh, since 2005, I guess, 2004. Wow. Yes. So there has been some development in my views on Hebrews. But uh, I, I came to, to believe after a lot of study, I didn't begin in that, uh, that position, but I came to believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. And this is important because if Paul wrote Hebrews, it is probable that he wrote it from Rome. Mm. And he wrote it from Rome. He wrote in the 62 AD probably, mm. AD 62. And if, if that is the case, uh, you have the situation in which Hebrews is written less than 10 years before the fall of Jerusalem. So he's writing to a congregation. Uh, I think he's writing to a congregation that is living in Palestine, in Jerusalem, somewhere there. And he's writing to a generation that is living literally in what is the end of the world for them. You know, the fall of Jerusalem. Jesus referred to the fall of Jerusalem as a, as a type of the end of the world. That's true. And, um, and um, for, Paul is writing to a, a, an audience that they are really going to go through a very difficult time. They are going through a very difficult time. If Paul wrote Hebrews in AD 62 from Rome, which is what I think it happened, you know, that was the year that um, James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death by, mm -hmm. the, uh, by the authorities in Jerusalem. And if you go to all that happened uh, from 37 AD, when Gaius, which we, call, we, we know as Caligula, went into power to what happened in 62 AD, it is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, Caligula was, you know, it is because he was killed that he didn't do something, you know, he ordered 39, 40 AD, somewhere there, he ordered that a statue of himself be put in the temple. Yeah. You know what would happen if a statue of Gaius Caligula would be put in the temple in Jerusalem? That would be the end of, that would be a big war. Yeah. The Jews will fight to death to not allow that happen. And, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, a lot of generals from, from, from non-Jewish generals, and a lot of people saying to Gaius, you know, this is not a good idea, and, 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 and just don't do it, and, and let's do something different. But he didn't want to do it. And, and he, finally, the legate, you know, the, the, the legate of, of Syria, which was in, in charge of, the, of doing this, he began to, to do it, but very slowly, you know, you know follow the, the, the direction very slowly because he knew that that, it was, that was crazy. And thankfully for, for the Jews and for, for, you know, the engineering world, well, the, the Palestine in, 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 the, in the first century AD, Gaius died in, in, at the beginning of 40, AD 41. Once he died, you know, that was stopped. 
but probably that is what Paul has in mind when he when he writes to Second Thessalonians that that there is a power that wants to sit at the temple of God as God. Probably that that is in his mind there, and certainly is in the mind of of believers who know what happened in the time sure, of Agabus. So, and you have all these, um, you know, the famine in the time of Agabus. Um, you know the the ex, uh, expulsion of the Jews from Rome in the time of Claudius. Um, the um, the 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 false messiahs you know the egyptian mm. uh, uh that uh, paul he's asked when he's uh when he's um you know um uh, taking a temple prisoner uh, the 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 roman um the roman uh, soldier says to him are you the egyptian he says no i'm not Teudas, another one. These, these are false messiahs. All of that happened at the time of, 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 of Paul. And um, it is a very difficult time. They are really living in the end of time. And I think that the message, uh, the author of Hebrews, Paul, uh, I believe, uh, sends to his audience is what we need to hear today. You know, we don't know when Jesus is going to come, you know. But I do believe that he could come very soon if he if he wants to, you know. Yes. Everything's in place. He could come very soon if he wants to. Well, the same message that Paul gave to the audience is the same message that we need. You know, we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We need to understand that he's our king. He's our priest. He is interceding for us. We need to have confidence. We need to have faith. We need not to make the same mistakes that the people, uh, that the desert generation did when they went into the into the um, in the promised land, how they in the border of promised land, yes. they lack faith and they turn back. That is exactly what what the author of Hebrews says. Don't do that. You are not of those who come into the very border of claiming the promises and then you turn back. You are not of those. You are those who go forward and inherit the promises. So this is really what is happening in in, in the book of Hebrews. It's, a, it's an amazing book, I think, for us. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate it's not in the last days, it's in these last days, right? Because like you just said, it really was, it really was a part of their last days. And so having at the forefront of our minds, Christ and pushing forward in this very inspirational book as well of Hebrews. I really appreciate you bringing that all together. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of this last week. Uh, I think it was on social media or somewhere. It has two people in a bus, one person looking out one side and there's this, uh, apocalyptic it looks scary and the person's terrified and the other yeah, person's yeah. looking out the other side and there's jesus and they are restful and content I, I if i'm hearing you right you know we need to keep our eyes on jesus and not we don't close our eyes and you know the reality that that the end times you know that they're real and jesus is going to come but but we'll be fine if we keep our eyes on jesus if i'm hearing you right Amen. Correct. I, I I think that that picture that you're describing, Michael, is is very useful because yes, we cannot close our eyes to what is happening around us. In fact, we need to understand what is happening around us. Jesus was aware of everything what's happening. He read the newspaper, let's say, when 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 they asked him about uh, certain Galileans, you know that that. Uh, Pilate had, you know, mixed their blood with the sacrifice. He said, well, haven't you heard about this one, about that one? He is aware of what is going on. But the difference is that you are not focused on those things. You are focused on Jesus, and that is what makes a difference. Yeah. 
you know you don't you don't you don't hide your head in the sand but but you don't focus on the on 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 the issues you don't focus on satan and you don't focus on the things that are happening you focus on jesus you know the the how how is that hebrew says that author and finisher of our faith that is the focus of our of our attention once you do that once you do that you know there is there is um um boldness that is the the word that that uh, the author uses there is boldness there is a uh, confidence you know there is paresias uh, in, in in greek there is confidence to mm. go into the throne of grace and i do believe uh buster that that paul thought that probably jesus was going to come in his time uh, he says, we who are alive, we're going to go up in the, you know, in the air, receive Jesus in the heaven. So I think he believed that, but uh, um, it didn't happen as he hoped will happen, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you know, it's like you told us earlier, though, this week, Michael, which is, you know, those who, who sleep in Christ, uh, the very next thing that they know, so many, so many thousands of years will pass by, hundreds of years, days will pass by, and the next thing they, they will see is, is Christ. So, you know, we, we take hope in that. Yeah. I, I want to come back to this theme of um, Jesus and keeping our eyes on Jesus, because yes. uh, I'll be honest, the thing that always comes to mind, you're talking about this being a very Adventist book, but, you know, is Jesus as the high priest, Jesus mm-hmm. as priest. So keep your eyes on Jesus and I can't think of anything more central to Adventist theology than the sanctuary. In fact, I can't think of something that's been more attacked in mm. Adventist theology Ouch. than the sanctuary, right? So help us understand a little bit about how this fits in. Um, there may be some people listening to this and be like, you know, in fact, I, Buster and I were just talking before we started our, our episode. We had a, had a student. It's like, you know, I just don't get the sanctuary. It just mm. doesn't make any sense to me. So why? Why for an Adventist who may not really know what they believe, why does the sanctuary matter? And what is, what, how does Hebrews help us get a better picture of that? You see, that's a very good question. I have the same difficulty with my students regarding the sanctuary. The sanctuary doesn't, doesn't click, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't click. Uh, why, why does that matter? What, what I tell my students is the sanctuary is, is talking about the sanctuary is talking about like talking about the White House. You know, the White House is the is the place where the um, the president of the United States lives, but it's not simply where the place the place where he lives. It's also a symbol of 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 the executive power in this country, but it is also a symbol of the moral authority of this country. So when you talk about the the the, uh, the White House, you're talking about you're talking about government. You're talking about um, uh, uh, it is uh, um, um, uh, an expression to talk about what the United States is. And when we talk about the sanctuary, we're talking about God. It's simply the seat of the government of the universe. And when the sanctuary is attacked, simply what is being attacked is the government of the universe, what is being attacked. And what is not understood is simply the government of the universe that is not being understood, basically. So when we talk about the sanctuary, we're simply talking about God's um, administration, God's authority, God's justice, God's plans, 
God's moral authority in the universe. That's basically what we're, what we're doing. And, that, and, and the issue that Jesus is a high priest, um, high priest is, is, a, is, a, is an element that we don't, uh, is, is a term that we don't use um, um, very well today. I would say that high priest has some characteristics of an ambassador, for example. An ambassador is a representative of um, of a government in a place, right? And and when you know the residence, the uh, uh, embassy, the embassy of let's say Mexico in the United States is part of the Mexican territory. Once you're inside, you're in Mexico territory. When you are in a U.S. embassy in Europe, you are in U.S. territory. It's a very interesting concept. And the ambassador represents the president and the government of the United States. But also when you speak to the ambassador and the ambassador speaks for you, for example, you are a citizen in Europe and you need some help. You speak to the ambassador, the ambassador is your representative in front of or uh, before the US government. So ambassador, the ambassador has some characteristics of of the priest, but of course, not all of them. Jesus is the ambassador. Uh, Jesus is the one who fights for you, represents you. And once you're in him, you are in heavenly territory. It doesn't matter if you live in Bering Springs or, or in uh, King, Texas or whatever in the United States. Once you're in him, you are in heavenly territory. You cannot be attacked there. You are protected. And when, when Satan tries to do something to you, he's, he's a, attempting to do something that is beyond his authority, beyond his power. So that is why sanctuary is really important. That's why Jesus as a high priest is really important because he, he is the means, he is that makes God's government visible, active in my life here today. Basically, that is what, what is happening with Jesus. Um, the difficult thing is that you cannot see Jesus, right? You cannot go to a house and knock the door and, 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 and you know, greet him. Um, we wish. Um, uh, you wish, yeah, I wish too. <laughs> yes, I wish too, yes. But, uh, but it's, he's no less real. Yeah, the fact true. that you cannot see him does not make him less real and does not make uh, the, the reality of his presence in our lives. And once he dwells in you, then he's, you are out of limits. Mm. <laughs> that is an interesting thing. Hey. You are out of limits for Satan. And nothing that happens to you can happen without God allowing that to happen, you see. Uh, that is what makes the century really interesting. Because in the end, Remember, that Paul will say that we are, we are a sanctuary. We are the sanctuary of God as well. Yeah, the yeah. church as a group of people is also the sanctuary of God. Of course, all of these are uh, like a sucursal of the heavenly sanctuary, which is God's uh, headquarters in heaven, right? So basically, that's, that's how I 
that's how I envision this. Of course, uh, ambassadorship limits uh, the idea of Jesus as a high priest. There are much, many more things. A priest was also a judge. A priest was also an expert um, uh, in in matters of uh, liturgy and cult and 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 so so there are other elements that the ambassadorship does not does not cover. But uh, it is it is one of the useful metaphors I think we could use. You know, I I really appreciated that aspect of Christ as our high priest, but also. The attention of the sanctuary It's one of the first times I've heard of the White House uh, being, you know, that, that analogy is really good. And I think it'll be really great for our listeners. Uh, you know, I, I was wondering, what do you think, um, especially I agree with you about the authorship of Paul. What do you think the inspirational message that he was trying to share with them that pertains to our lives today? Uh, I know there's so many, but if you had to choose, choose one, what, what would that be? You know, yeah, thank you for the question. I, I, I like the question for, for several reasons. One is that the problem of the audience of Hebrews um, is um, what I called a double allegiance. Mm. There is a problem of double allegiance with the audience of Hebrews. What was happening with them? Preach. <laughs> what is happening with them is that they believe Jesus is there. They are Christians. They okay. follow Jesus. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit, and and they, and they have been persecuted because of Christ. You know, they are very faithful in the past, and now they are they are a little bit wavering in their commitment to Jesus. There is a one little problem: they continue to offer sacrifices in temple. Ooh. Now, if Jesus is your high priest. And if Jesus is your sacrifice, why are you going to the temple? Mm. Why are you offering sacrifices in the temple? Why are you asking the Levitical priest to intercede before you in the presence of God? So is Jesus or is not? Is he your priest or is he not? Is, is, is he your, your sacrifice or is he not? So they are Christians, but they also offer sacrifices in the temple. Okay. And, 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 you know, once you understand this, for us, of course, it's so, you know, you, you say, you know, how could they be doing that? But if we were living their time, probably, probably we, <laughs> we, we would be doing something very similar because you see, they are living, I guess, close to the temple. You know, if they live in Jerusalem, Jerusalem dominates the temple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jerusalem is a big humongous thing in the city. You cannot live without seeing the temple. Okay. And, and, and the problem is that uh, in this very poly, in that very politicized time, because it was a very politicized time, time, in that time, not to offer sacrifices was, you know, you are being unpatriotic. You are being not, you are not a Jew. You are not a person who, who really uh, are you a true, you are not a true Israelite. And they believe, these Jewish Christians believe that they were Israelites. Mm -hmm. And they were. Uh, the problem is, do you remember when Paul arrived in Jerusalem in his last trip to Jerusalem that Acts uh, mentions, Acts 21? Um, in the last trip, he brings this big offering 
to the uh, for the poor in Jerusalem. And they are excited about this, this gift. And then the elders, I guess, um, uh, you know, the, the, the leaders, uh, it says the elders, they were the leaders of the Jerusalem church. They asked him, you know, Brother Paul, you, we know that you are a true uh, Christian believer, but there are people who have doubts about you. Why don't you go and purify yourself? with these four people in the temple. You know, what they were asking him is to pay for the sacrifices of Nazirite vows. These sacrifices were uh, expensive. And, and you have Paul going to the temple, offering sacrifices, paying for them in the temple, rela relating to Nazirite vows. If you go and read what Acts of, the, uh, Acts of the Apostles says, Ellen G. White says about that experience, he says that Paul didn't have God's permission to do that, to, to concede that. That is a problem with double allegiance, you know? And, and, and Paul, um, Paul is saying to them, you know, we need to understand that Jesus is our priest yeah. and Jesus yeah. is our sacrifice. And if Jesus is my priest, and my sacrifices, I don't have, I should not go to the temple to ask a Levitical priest to be my intercessor. I should not go to the temple with animal sacrifices to try to get God to hear me. Mm. Now we Adventists do that. Pastor, you're closer to God. Why don't you pray for me? <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> that, is, that is, uh, sorry? Speak truth here. Yes, yeah. that is what has happened to us. Pastor, you're closer to God. Play for, pray for me. You know, we should pray for one another. But we are not, we are not the intermediaries of others. We are all priests. We are priests of all believers. Yes, we, we do that. You know, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan and somehow you're like closer to God and, and those things aren't bad things per se, but if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, we're, we're basically doing the same kind of thing. You know, we're presenting our offerings in the temple instead of letting Jesus be our intercessor. Yeah, I, I think of the concept of uh, I, I know someone who said, I really need this job uh, this this month. So I want to return my tithe this month and ho hopefully God will hear me. And it's like, no, you know, double allegiance to towards money, money being your God, right? There is, yes. yeah. Or God, and you know, God, if you, if you, um, if you heal me, I'm going to do this, 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 and that, right? Yeah. Wow. Which is, which is not bad to offer God. You know, if God heals us, there are sacrifices of gratitude. Offerings are fine, are good, are a good thing, right? But they are not, they are not the means to be accepted. There we go. There we go. They're not the means to be accepted. You know, I, I, I began my ministry in Mexico City. Well, uh, yes, in Mexico City. And I live very close to the main entrance from the east uh, to the city. And um, in December 12th, uh, there was this uh, major religious feast. 20 million people, well, not in the feast, but in the year, in this shrine to the, the Virgin of Guadalupe, 20 million oh, yeah. people visit this shrine every year. 
-hmm. And it is amazing. I, I used to, I, I live one block away from this, this uh, big entrance, you know, big um, avenue. And, and I saw people walking, people going on their knees, um, you know, pilgrims, you know, all kinds of sacrifices. What, what, what is that they are doing? They call it, in, in Spanish, they call it mandas. What is a manda? Manda is a thing you do to, to request a gift, to request a benefit from the Virgin or something that you pay for something you have been given by the by the by the by the virgin mm -hmm. you know and and we adventists we may be uh, uh, we may have our vegetarian um uh, you know vegetarian um kind of sacrifices we're we're not we're not careful we need to be grateful to god but they are not the means by which we are accepted they are not Amen. Amen. So, so I want to switch gears just for a second. And you don't have to answer this right this moment if you don't want to, because we can keep talking about important and practical themes in the book. And uh, but at some point, I'd like to hear from you, Felix. What is your favorite part of the book of Hebrews? What passage speaks to you the most personally? Here you've been a Hebrew scholar and written about Hebrews and professionally, but but I, and again, you, you can take some time, come back to this if you want, or you can dive in now. Uh, but but what personally speaks to you the most in the book of Hebrews? What what part or passage? You know, it's very difficult for me to choose one. I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. It's like a mother or <laughs> I'm not sure. between and, children, and, right? Yes, yes, and <laughs> difficult. And if you ask me for my favorite passage, it's outside yeah. of Hebrews. <laughs> 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 but but you know there are tell us both felix tell us what's your favorite passage and, <laughs> and if, if, you, if you had to choose in hebrews what, what... <laughs> uh, well let me tell you a little bit of what are my favorite passages in in hebrews and then i want to tell you a little bit of what is my favorite passage in in the bible it's a very short one okay mm -hmm. It's a very it's, it's a very short one, but um, um, you know when when we talk about um, uh, passages in Hebrews, mm. one of them that is very uh, significant uh, to me um, is uh, Hebrews six verses seventeen through twenty, mm. the, the, the anchor of our faith, you know, the anchor of our hope. Yeah. That is a beautiful passage, and and when, uh, when you understand the theology behind it, is is just amazing. You know, two things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is it is an amazing, um, an amazing. This is a very comforting passage. You know, that is one of my favorite ones. Another favorite one is is the rest in Hebrews, Hebrews three and four. We're invited to enter the rest. It's a beautiful yes. passage, theologically and. Theologically and rhetorically, do you know the beauty of of how it is built and expressed? Uh, Hebrews twelve verses eighteen to twenty nine is a beautiful passage, and theologically it has um, an allusion to Daniel seven. We are receiving a kingdom, you know, and Hebrews cast in mind that we will receive a kingdom. The the the, the fulfillment of Daniel seven. So Paul is looking forward to 
judgment. And from our point of view, he's looking forward to 1844, right? He, he doesn't have the specific time in mind because for him, judgment is something in the future, right? But, but it's a very, he's talking about the fulfillment of the promises of God in Daniel 7. So theologically and rhetorically, this passage is really amazing, really amazing. Um, so those two passages in, in Hebrews are really interesting to me. Um, um, there are others, of course, but my favorite passage is, is 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's amazing. <laughs> For me, it's a very short, but it's amazing. You know, you can be unfaithful, but God, no, no, no. God cannot. Simply, he will stop. He will cease being. Faithfulness is at the core of his mm. nature, at the core of his identity. He cannot be unfaithful. Uh, for me, that is an amazing, an amazing uh, verse of the Bible. So there you have it, my my favorite verse. <laughs> uh, amen, amen. No, no, that's beautiful. I was just thinking of some friends that are, you know, they're looking at, with the lesson. They want to memorize a scripture passage. So in in highlighting and going through this coming quarter, when I challenge our listeners to think about committing some verses to 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 memory and uh, planting the the seed of scripture in our hearts, and this is uh, some great passages to to consider. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have, if you want to memorize a, a beautiful passage in Hebrews, I will memorize Hebrews 10, 19 to, 20, to 25. It's a beautiful, and, and Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 compresses in six, seven verses the whole theology of Hebrews. Theology and exhortation, all of it is compressed in these seven verses. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Oh, yes, yes. Now, if you go, if you want to go the route of Larry Lichtenwalter, you memorize the whole book. He has memorized <laughs> the whole book. <laughs> not, not all of us are Larry Lichtenwalters, although my kids are in uh, PBE doing memorizing right now. What is it? Uh, First Kings or First whatever. Kings. Yeah, <laughs> which you have to admire that commitment it's amazing to see our young people memorizing like that. and they memorize things amazingly i mm -hmm. i think we need to we need to do it yeah <laughs> yes so awesome though well uh i uh i guess as we're winding down i was i was just wondering is there any last message you'd like to leave with our audience uh, pertaining to this lesson pertaining to the book of hebrews a takeaway that you don't want them to uh, leave without yeah, you know, Hebrews has a lot of deep theology, but in the end, the author does not consider his work a uh, theological treatise. Mm. He considers his work a word of exhortation, which is the ancient uh, expression to refer to a sermon. So for, for the author, Hebrews is a sermon. And what is the main point of this sermon? The main point of this sermon is, um, uh, well, <laughs> a, 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 a thought come, came to my mind because there is the central idea. The central idea of Hebrews is 
God has spoken to us in his son. Mm. Well, there is a debate about the translation of the passage because some translations has he has wrote he has spoken to us by his son and others have he has spoken to us in his son in one jesus is the message in the other one jesus is the messenger okay and i believe that the correct translation is jesus is the the message let's just say god has done to jesus what he wants to do to us. God has seated him at his right hand. He has resurrected him. He has brought him to heaven with him. And that's what he wants to do with us. He wants us to sit with him in heavenly places. He wants to accomplish all of that. So basically, that's that's what the author, uh, what God is saying, you know, look what, what I did. Fix your eyes upon Jesus because what I did, what I did with him, I, I'm going to do with you. That's basically the, the main thought. But basically what the author is saying, you know, that is God's main message. But what I want to do with God's main message is to tell you, if that is true, says the author, which I think is true, then we can approach God with confidence in the throne of grace. The idea is approach God, come close to him, uh, do it with confidence. Uh, because we have such a great high priest that we should do it with all the boldness and and all the um um, um you know um, ability to say what is in our hearts knowing yes. that God is going to hear us and he's going to answer in the best way uh, a way that is even better than we thought could be possible amen I love it. Yeah, that's that's just beautiful. And I think on that uh, lovely note, uh, just to extend a, a word of appreciation, uh, Felix, just appreciate your scholarship, your friendship, and uh, that I'm really excited to be able to delve into such a relevant book for our personal lives as well as for our Adventist identity. So, with that, we'll yeah. put a wrap <laughs> for this week. So, this is Sue and Swoops signing out. Signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.